You're listening to Living a Vintage Life by Retro Chalet. Thanks for joining. Here's your host, Cindy Fanastock Schaefer. Hey guys, this is part two of my Etsy episode um, where basically they've announced as of April 11, 2022, that the final sales fee for the item, the shipping, and any applicable um, gift wrap is going to go increase to 6.5% from the previous 5%. So at first, you know, I really didn't have a big problem with a 1.5% increase um, until I started reading on like MSM Market Watch, The Verge, The Street, um, that it was literally a 30% increase. So I kind of did the math a little, and just to break it down for you, you know, um, there are a lot of fees when you are an Etsy shop. Um, what you do get from Etsy for your storefront is absolutely amazing. Um, I've been on Etsy a long time, and I'm here to tell you that it sure beats having a Shopify store where you have to start from scratch and do all the work yourself and try to figure out how to market, how to get feedback, um, how to get your item found, taxes per state, etc., etc. Um, so Etsy really does give you a great platform. So I don't want anyone out there to think that I'm bashing them. Um, but I am simply stating that, you know, as a seller, we do have listing fees, uh, we have sales fees, there are sometimes payment processing fees, uh, we have off-site ad fees, we have optional uh, marketing and sales fees, we have optional store upgrade fees. So how does this break down? So let's say that our item uh, in full was $27, and that's including shipping, but then they got the gift wrap for three. Let's say it came up to $30. Um, So in the new uh, 6.5% on $30, that's going to be a $1.95 charge. Um, now you might, you might say, well, that's not bad. It used to be a dollar 50 charge. So think about that. It's going from a dollar 50 to a dollar 95 per transaction. That little bit is going to add up. So I kind of thought we need to brainstorm some ways to kind of make up this cost, um, in our listing. Unfortunately, it always seems that we try to pass that charge off on our customers. Um, and, you know, customers are very um, weary of that. They're they're good shoppers. They want to bargain shop sometimes. And we also have the problem that there are millions and millions on Etsy. Um, I was actually just uh, redoing an article I did yesterday because I wrote a lot of guides on the Internet on how to sell on Etsy. Um, and... <laughs> I was looking at the numbers increase over the years. Um, when I type in vintage now for a vintage search, just for that keyword, there are currently 14 point whatever million listings. Um, just three years ago, that number was like 12. And then three years before that, it was 10. And then before that, it was like nine. So so basically what I'm trying to say is it's increasing. More and more sellers are using Etsy. More and more shops have flooded the market. Um, and that goes for all items on Etsy, not just vintage, but handmade as well. Um, so one of the first things that I like to do, I'm a huge recycler 
of packaging material, okay? There are enough ways to get creative and use nice packaging material. Um, if you're a vintage junkie, you can always keep an eye out for vintage gift wrap, um, things that you can use to uh, in place of going out there and buying rolls of paper, rolls of bubble wrap, and brand new boxes, um, keep in mind your shipping supplier like USPS. Uh, if you use them a lot, I'm, I'm big into the priority mailboxes um, because you can actually get those for free. So bottom line is there are ways to offset your um, fees by using recycled packaging. So case in point, let's say you're a jewelry seller, all of your supplies, you know, you're getting mailed in with, uh, you know, your bubble envelopes, save the bubbled envelopes. Be careful when you're removing, you know, the front part where your shipping label was, or you can simply print the shipping label over the old label. You can even put a card in with your purchase saying that you are, um, you know, a recycled packing shop, that this packing is recycled. Believe it or not, a lot of people appreciate that. A lot of people appreciate you reusing stuff and not just throwing it into a landfill. Um, so one thing you can do to offset your costs as a seller or a shop is try to use more recycled packing. Um, the second thing is you really want to streamline your listings. Um, look for items that haven't sold that you've relisted a million times. Uh, figure out what you can do with these items. Let's say, for instance, you're a small uh, vintage shop or you're a jewelry seller. Um, let's say the jewelry seller has five bracelets. They made them. They love them. They're the best designs. They're the most favorite. But guess what? Nobody's buying them. Um, and then you have a vintage seller that has a lot of smalls, um, a lot of cutesy things for the kitchen. They've been sitting for years, not selling. Why don't you try to bundle them? Let's say we bundle them. We make the listing, uh, you know, uh, geared towards, you know, a collection. And then basically at this time, you know, it's not going to hurt as much. Now, remember this fee only goes into effect when we sell something, okay? The increase is only when we sell something. So the goal here is to sell more um, and then maybe it won't hurt so much. So we can think of ways to actually start selling more. Let's get creative. Let's make collections. Let's use recycled packing. Um, another thing that we really need to do is look for the business model. Hey guys, today's podcast is brought to you by GI 3D Prints. If you check out their Etsy shop at GI 3D Prints from Detroit, you will see that they're handmade planters. Handmade planters made out of PLA. These are cute for succulent-sized plants, little seedlings, little cactuses, you name it. Great for coworkers, great in the window. They have a dinosaur grab bag for $9.99 where you can get a dinosaur planter. But the favorite is the happy planters. You have to see these things. They have little arms and legs and they sit there to hold your favorite succulent. Unbelievable. Check it out. Best gifts ever. They're actually sponsoring one of my other podcasts, but what I wanted to do is use them as a business model because I literally spent about 30 minutes in their shop um, and then I wanted to buy something. And I was like, well, 
how did that happen? So basically, just to tell you a little bit about the shop, what they do is uh, they make handmade planters. And they're small planters. They kind of fit in your window. But they're really cute. They're her own designs, um, dinosaurs, little happy planters with hands and feet, um, and, and basically um, little skulls. But these are things she designs on her probably her 3D printer or whatever she's using and, and makes these planters. And they're in these great colors. I'm talking pastel. I'm talking 50s. I'm talking they're so cute that anyone you know that likes succulents or tiny little um, cactuses would love these little planters for their window. They're lightweight because the material they're made out of, so she's able to ship them relatively inexpensively, so she's able to price them relatively inexpensively. Now, what she's done is she's created a model, a business model where you go to the shop, you're wowed by the pictures, the colors jump at you, the photos jump off the page. I'm not really a big plant junkie. But now I want a planner. So why? She's making it so that they're so darn cute. They're, they're presented so well. The price is so great that now I know where to go for gifts. So your Etsy shop should be screaming with, buy me, you need this. Somebody you know needs this. This is a gift idea. So remember, a lot of people shop on Etsy for gifts. Um, and you need to figure out how to apply this theory and this model to your shop. You know, what makes somebody want your item? You know, there's a lot of really, really, really good YouTube videos about what you can do, um, you know, in your Etsy shop to try to do some keyword data analysis and, and you know, sell more items, tweak your listings, make it jump off the page to buyers. But the bottom line is your business model has to A, jump out at people and B, make you money and C, be at an, an affordable rate to ship. You know, case in point, in the past, I talked to Paper Flow Designs. Um, now she sells you know, the actual design so that you can download it, print it and use it on your t-shirts or, you know, on your, on your kids stuff. And, and basically she's created a business model where they're instant downloads. So she, her business model is relatively no shipping costs. Um, but her business model is to make something cute, price it relatively inexpensive. Um, and also she offers like commercial rights if you want to use that to resell. So she created a business model that works for her. Um, as well, Harry and I um, from Lightbringer Designs were talking the other day. We were talking about mass-produced items um, that are allowed on Etsy um, and how that's kind of a little bit of a hindrance to our shops. But listen in to what we had to say. They're mass producing these in a factory. They're not handmade, but because people are using the wax seal to make to make art, they're selling it as a craft supply. Yes, and and so they're able to to get on there that way. But it's it's a very different product. It's, you know, it's it's a mass produced made in China junk. Yes. They only need to artist. use they only need to use it a few times to realize they've wasted their money and then they'll come to you. But, you know, at first glance, you know, obviously you're buried in 500 other places that have it a little bit cheaper. And that's the problem. Um, and, you know, 
I was shocked that I, I like to call them the wish.com shops. The wish.com shops are all on Etsy now. And I'm like, how did they get here? How did they get approved? This stuff's mass produced in China. And yet, like you said, it falls under crafting. Um, another big thing um, is the metaphysical stuff. Lots of rocks, gemstones, all coming out of China. Um, before, you know, there was a, a core of uh, Etsy sellers in the United States who were selling these things. They were doing quite well. Now they're now their shops are flooded, you know, with, um, you know, you can go to wish.com and get a wire-wrapped amethyst pendant for five bucks. So now the wire-wrap jewelry person on Etsy who's trying to wire-wrap their own um, jewelry and around an amethyst who was selling it for 15 bucks has to compete with the $5 made in China. So we do have real problems to deal with on Etsy. It's hard enough to survive. And now this fee increase, I just don't know what to say. Okay, so the situation here is that sellers, whether they're artisans or they're trying to sell um, handmade stuff or they're even selling craft supplies, um, you know, you're competing with a lot of mass-produced things. I'm not trying to bash things that are made in China uh, because we outsource a lot of production to China. We actually, as artists, probably get a lot of our crafting supplies uh, from China. But the bottom line is you have to use this negative to your advantage, okay? If you're that wire-wrapped jewelry seller uh, who's buried in the Wish.com shops, what you need to do is stand out. You need to find a way to really promote yourself as a, you know, um, self-taught, wire-wrapped artisan who, you know, is your metals different? Do you only use pure silver? You know, how'd you learn your technique? Um, and you need to go from that angle that you're this cool, hip person that makes these great things and show yourself making them. Put videos in your listing. Show your pieces in action. Use social media to promote yourself. Um, Instagram, TikTok, whatever your preferred method is, you need to use this negative to your advantage to spin it around. Um, here at XYZ Jewelry Company, we're not mass produced. We're mom and pop, and we proudly make these things in the middle of Arizona. We source our own rocks. This is a, a view of our shop. You know, and a lot of places have you know, real respect for the small business model. And a lot of people preferably want to shop small business rather than mass produced. Now, Harry and I go on to discuss the fact that people are always going to want to buy, you know, um, something cheap just to use it like a craft supply. And it's high because of the 3D printing. And I don't want people to not be able to access the art form because they're, they're, they're priced out of it, especially for people who, who are just, Starting, just starting out, you know, do, getting their, their first wax seal and seeing, is this something I like doing? Is this something that's worth it? Right. You know, that, that's one thing. The, the one place that I'm particularly different from a lot of the others is on the, the sealing wax. Now, I have tested my wax in the mail from New York to New Zealand repeatedly with no problems. Not um, melting or, or anything, um, right? <laughs> okay. The, the main uh, concern is like when you're sealing a letter that when it goes through the sorting machines, it'll get um, it'll get crunched up in there and, and the seal will get uh, broken or smeared or, or otherwise damaged. And, uh, you know, I have I have wax that 
will take all the abuse that the mail system can dish out. So with every negative, there is a positive. What we can learn from Harry's excerpt there is that there's always going to be a beginner. There's always going to be somebody starting out. And I have to apologize because it's four in the morning here on the East Coast. I'm trying to get this podcast in before I go to work. And now my cat has decided he wants to come with his little bell collar and start, um, you know, basically purring very loudly. So I apologize for that. But let's go back to Harry. And Bottom line, what I've learned is there's always going to be that shopper that's going to want the cheapest item. It's just they're starting out. They might not know the difference in a wax seal. Um, Harry ha has done a lot of testing with his uh, with his wax seal stamps, and he explained a lot of things to me uh, in a previous podcast. Like, for instance, uh, a lot of the mass-produced items, they don't have the, the imprint on the top. So when you go to grab the wax seal, you're not really sure if you've got the top or the bottom. Um, so when you go to print it, it could be upside down. So he's, he's done things over time to make his craft supplies more advanced. He's also tested his wax by accident and funny story. Bottom line is what you could do is market your shop, not for the beginner, but market your shop for the advanced collector or the advanced crafter or the intermediate or the higher echelon. So the problem that we immediately fear is having to compete with mass-produced shops that are a lower price point because that's considered competition. But what you need to do is bring Break yourself out of that hole and and put yourself out there. You're a handmade artist. You're a vintage shop that hand selects items. This is your story. This is who you are. You need to market yourself because your product needs to be wanted and needs to be coveted um, because it's better than something that's mass produced by some machine somewhere somehow for, for half the price. Now let's listen to this funny little story. You know, I have I have wax that will take all the abuse that the mail system can dish out. I, there's a funny story. Um, the original wax that I used, it was, the brand was called Atelier Gargoyle, and that was made by a literally husband and wife team in San Francisco. And if everybody who used it, you know, people who were in this world knew that that was the best wax around. They decided to retire and stop producing it. And um, I, I was actually their number one retailer. I, I had a consignment arrangement with them and I, I offered to, you know, buy the recipe off of them, buy the formula and try to figure out how to produce it myself because it was a great product. But they had no interest in that. Wow. Um, that, that, yeah, that was really surprising to me that they didn't want to, have that be their legacy to continue like it's not they're passing it on to their kids and their kids are going to do it okay fine sure go ahead mm. but it's like you know i'm i'm offering i'm saying you know how much do you want for it make you know and like we're not selling right and the problem is people out there need there's a need for that you know in in the wax seal right. industry <laughs> you know i mean what now you're not selling why that makes no sense it, it, it was a big shock and everything but um, that, that particular wax, one time a customer in New Zealand ordered uh, a custom signet ring from me. And unbeknownst to me that the, the buyer that he transposed two letters in the name of his town. And I've been to New Zealand. They have some really weird place names or weird to, to you know, an American's point of view. 
because of the, the Maori language. So I wasn't about to second guess. This place seems, seems a little weird, but I'm just going to go with it. And Etsy only double checks American addresses to make sure that, like, hey, did you mean this? So the tracking showed that it went from New York to California to New Zealand, back to Connecticut to Dubai to New Zealand. What? That's crazy. That, that, that was the fault of, of the, the, you know, the shipping and, and you know, the, the, the making a mistake on the address. And, you know, the, the buyer acknowledged that he made the mistake. And I was like, look, if it comes back to me, I'll ship it to you again. Wow. But, you know, as long as it was bouncing around the world. It took like two weeks or something for it to go one and a half times around the world. But <laughs> to show confidence in my own product, everything that I sell, I have my own um, my own company's wax seal, and I, I stamp all the packages that I send. And I said to him, Look, do me a favor. When it gets to you, before you open it, take the picture of the seal. I want to see how it held up. And it was fine. One and a half times around the world in the mail, no problem. It's like I couldn't repeat that test if I wanted to. Product testing. Um, I just watched a video the other day on one of the top Etsy shops. She actually sells wreaths. Uh, before that, she sold um, hand-painted boards. She was actually talking about when she first started doing her her barn boards, they were falling apart in the mail. So she had to revisit her process and do testing to make sure that they would survive the shipping. So again, you know, part of this process of being a crafter is trial and error and findings that you use, um, the components that you use, sometimes the glue that you use, the shellac that you use, the paint that you use, all of this is tested over time and you're morphing it into the greatest form of art that you can do. So in this case, you would try to present this, that your high quality item is a high quality price because of all the product testing that you've done and because you now use higher quality components. So think of Harry's story and think of how you can apply that to your business model. I still feel that um, Etsy is the best place around, the easiest place around. There is a problem trying to open your own store. Um, you have to start from ground zero. You pretty much have to start from scratch. You have to know how to do your marketing. You need to know how to build a customer base, how to get good feedback, how to take um, payments, payment processing, taxes per state. So even if you go open a Shopify store, which looks really great and everything, it's a lot to learn. Now, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying it's hard. Um, usually people that are very well established uh, who have are killing it on Etsy, then jump ship and go and open up their own store. Um, a story with that is Three Birds Nest, who started on Etsy. Uh, they got into a little bit of quandary with some of their items. Um, you can actually look them up. Three Birds Nest. They were an Etsy success story, uh, but some of the items that they were selling uh, was kind of questionable. Some people reported them, saying that these items were coming, you know, straight off the boat from China. They weren't handmade. Uh, what they were doing is kind of uh, adding their own little twist to it. If it was a scarf, they were adding a brooch. So it, it was kind of a catch-22 because I could see both sides of that coin. Uh, they eventually ended up closing their Etsy store. I don't know if they got it suspended or if it actually just closed, and they launched their own website site. Um, other people actually get Instagram famous. Um, and like, I think it's sister nettle. You can look her up on Instagram, sister nettle. She actually has an Instagram store. She drops her offerings, uh, like once a month. And as soon as she does, they all sell out. So she actually has her own standalone shop. She's not using Etsy. So that might be, um, 
you know, something to keep in mind down the road, but I personally don't want to deal with all that. I just prefer to stay with Etsy. Um, one of the things that I did that I don't suggest for you, but I was on the middle plan. It was $10 a month charge, and with the middle plan, you get to rearrange your shop, which was my favorite feature, um, the way your shop actually looks with the big banner and the sections. You can rearrange it, um, you know, to what you want on top, essentially. Um, but you also got 15 listing credits. Now, if you don't, use them, you lose them. They're actually 20 cents each. So think about that. That's the value of $3 off the 10 you're paying. And then a $5 ad credit. Problem with that is I would budget myself like a dollar a day. And after five days, I'd forget to turn it off. And there you go. Ate up my $5 credit, but then I got charged. Um, so, you know, if you're running a lot of ads, if you're making a lot of listings, then the $10 a month might actually be a benefit to you. Um, but if you're not, then like I just did, I turned it off. And in the feedback of why I was turning it off, I wrote because the fees are increasing. Um, fees are increasing, so I'm cutting corners in that regard. But hopefully you've learned something today in this podcast to maybe give you some ideas to help restructure your shop and battle the ever-increasing fees. Well, folks, it's been a pleasure sharing my story with you today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please give me a good rating on your favorite podcast player and come back for our next episode. See you soon.